0: Hey there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today we have the phenomenal opportunity to continue our conversation on Calling Out the Called. Um, last episode was with Scott Pace. Today we sit down with Shane Pruitt, who's the co-author of the book, Calling Out the Called. Just an insightful conversation with Shane, Um, learned so much from him. We talk about his personal call. Um, We talk about some misguided motives um, for going into full-time spiritual service, talking about the role of the, the Holy Spirit as the counselor, companion, and comforter in our call, um, just gives you know, some great insight on maybe if a husband or a spouse or a wife does not feel a call, but the other spouse does, or maybe the parents are feeling called into to ministry, full time ministry, and the the children are not. How do you navigate and walk through that? And uh, Shane just is uh, it's great to have on the podcast, fun to to interview. Full of um, insight and wisdom, just enjoyed enjoyed uh, enjoyed spending some time with him. And so I kind of went off some script on a few of the questions, and uh, he was kind enough to to continue on um, as I asked him some questions. Just came to mind as we had our conversation. Do want to ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel with Foth? That's where we sit down with Dick Foth and go over listeners' questions um, that they send in, and the questions range from leadership to life to ministry to raising kids to. Sabbaticals, we've had all kinds of, of questions sent in And really do appreciate you continuing to send those in I enjoy sitting down with Dick, it's a great interactive time And uh, do inc- thank you for continuing to listen to the podcast And I know the podcast I subscribe to or the ones I listen to This one normally comes out on Monday morning if you're in the United States Or uh, Sunday evening if you're on in Nairobi like I am So, well, there's no time better than now to get started So here we go Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here with a new friend today, Shane Pruitt. Shane, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me on. Excited (laughs) to be a a
0: part of this conversation today. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, Shane uh, Pruitt, did I say your last name correct? You did, yes. Good deal. Uh, My last name's Meyer. It gets butchered nine ways and sideways. So I (laughs) should—I normally ask before I I hit record, but I didn't ask. I just wanted to make sure we—we were doing good. Shane, would you just take a a little bit to share a little bit about yourself um, before we jump into some of the questions?
1: Yeah, yeah. So Shane Pruitt, um, I serve as the National Next Gen Director uh, for the North American Mission Board. Uh, we are a network of uh, churches that we serve about 50,000 churches in the United States. And um, I get to oversee all of our efforts towards the next generation. So young adults, college students, teenagers. Um, I love speaking in front of students, um, but really our target group is to encourage, equip, and empower. Uh, next-gen leaders and influence them who are influencing the next generation. Um, Also, I'm part of the club that married way, way, way over their head. I have an awesome wife named Casey. Uh, We've been married for 18 years Uh, We have six kids uh, that are 16 and under. I always say that is a prayer request. Yes, (laughs) it is. Yeah, we have a 16-year-old daughter, 11-year-old daughter. Uh, They're both our biological daughters, uh, which just means they carry my wife and I's DNA. Uh, And then we have a 10-year-old son adopted from Uganda, uh, an 8-year-old son adopted from Liberia. And then a seven-year-old son and a five-year-old daughter adopted from this great state of Texas. That's where wow. we live outside of Dallas, Texas. Wow. So uh, I always say cool. my family is my primary ministry. Everything
0: else I do is from the overflow of that. <laughs> very, very exciting. Very exciting. Hey, I didn't list this as one of the questions, but next gen, the generation that you have a heart and passion for, what is? what are one or two things you would like the audience to know about this gener- that generation that you have a passion for?
1: Yeah. You know, when you think of young adults, college students, teenagers, uh, you know, 13 and up, uh, uh, you know, culture, uh, for lack of a better term, calls them Generation Z. Um, Some things that we know about Generation Z. Um, is statistically speaking, they're the least religious generation that we've ever seen. Um, On a large scale, they're not connected to the local church. And therefore, if they're not connected to the local church, you can probably make some assumptions that they either don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Or at best, they have a very spiritually immature one. So you could almost call, and I know, uh, especially speaking to someone who cares deeply about missions and missional living, you could almost call Generation Z an unreached people group. Wow. Um, And so when you uh, think about an unreached people group, what do we do? We intentionally start praying for them. Uh, We want to uh, intentionally raise up missionaries, put resources toward it, launch out missionaries. And I really believe this about young young people. Um, the most effective missionaries often towards Gen Z or other Gen Zers that have a heart that beats with passion for Jesus. And that same heart is broken over the spiritual lostness of their own generation. Wow. Um, and so there's some excitement there. I know when you first hear, hey, they're not, you know, religious, they're not connected to a local church on a large scale, that can sound doom and gloom. But uh the evangelist side of me uh gets excited <laughs> about it because I say they're a big harvest. And one thing that um we know about generation Z especially in the states where I live is that um, cultural Christianity has really kind of disappeared with that generation. You're either all the way in or all the way out. There's not a big, squishy middle with Gen Z anymore. Um, And so I feel like the Gen Zers that have been bought by the blood of Jesus and have the Holy Spirit of God, and they're growing in their faith, they're walking with Jesus, they're all the way in, Aaron. And so like they're passionate, and they're a very cause-oriented generation. Um, So I tell the church leverage that um, because the greatest cause there is, is the Great Commission of Christ. Um, and so they're passionate. And uh I, I'm telling you, there's I'm seeing more young people get flat out saved and get serious about their faith, probably in the last two years than the previous 20 years of ministry combined. Wow. I think one thing the pandemic did is not create new problems, it just poured gasoline on the problems mm. that already existed. So mm. they're looking for hope, they're looking for answers. They're coming to the end of themselves at a much earlier age. I think that's why depression and anxiety rates are so high, um, and that's where we get to slide in as missionaries yeah. and as churches to go, "Hey, well, hope has a name, the answer has a name, truth has a name. It's the awesome. name above every name. It's awesome. Jesus." So I'm excited, man. I love that generation.
0: Yeah, yeah you're you're definitely your passion exude. You exude the passion. So that's a that's a that's a good that's a good deal. Good deal, um, Shane. We're going to talk about the book "Calling Out the Call: uh, Discipling." Discipling those called to ministry. Um, Can you just share a little bit about your personal call and your personal call to ministry? Um, Yeah, just to start off the podcast in a a personal way.
1: Yeah, you know, um, Aaron, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I grew up in Texas. Uh, If you had asked me if I was a Christian, you know, whenever I was. You know, 14,15, I would have probably said yes because I live in Texas, you know what I mean? But I had no idea what that meant, you know? <laughs> um, so I didn't grow up in church. Uh, my parents became believers whenever I was 16. So um, I started going to church, but I was living two separate lives, uh, one in the church building, one outside the church building. But at 21, I was at a college event, and the Lord just got a hold of my heart, and God saved me. Out of a pretty radical party lifestyle. Um, I was an athlete. So, you know, high school, college, uh, my trinity wasn't Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It was sports, partying, and chasing girls. So when God got a hold of my heart, he got a hold of my heart. So I started spending all my time with the pastor of the church. I would still share the gospel with my friends, but I knew I couldn't hang out with them a whole lot and keep going to the same parties and clubs because I'd fall back into the same junk. So I started hanging out with my pastor. So I would go to hospital visits. (laughs) I'd go witnessing. I would be at the church uh, serving and working, not necessarily because I felt called to ministry, um, but because I just wanted to be around him. He was discipling me. Um, And so one day, Aaron, he says, hey, what are you going to do with your life? And and I said, I don't really know. And he goes, well, why don't you at least go to Bible college and learn wow. the Bible until God reveals to you what you're supposed to do? Yeah. And I didn't even know there was a such thing as a Bible college. <laughs> so, so we visited a Bible college in a town about two hours north of where uh, I grew up. And I looked at the degree program, Aaron. I didn't see any math classes. And I was like, the Lord has spoken. This is what I'm supposed to do. All right. So I went to Bible college. And what was crazy is I'd have been a Christian less than a year. And I started Bible college. And here's all these, you know, Bible college students there. They're all going there to be pastors and missionaries and and, and Christian leaders. And so they were doing what, you know, Bible college students do Uh, they were debating Calvinism and Arminianism. And I didn't even know uh, what any of that meant. I was still calling, you know, Psalms Palms. You know, I was completely (laughs) lost. And so I had uh, some professors that started discipling me, pouring into me. And probably about two years into Bible college, I really felt the Lord calling me to ministry leadership and specifically toward the areas of of preaching and teaching. So one weekend I go back to my pastor, I said, Hey, I think God's called me to ministry leadership. And this is what he said. I never forget. He goes, Hey, I've known that. Uh, I've just been waiting for the Lord to reveal it to you and you be obedient wow. to that. And then wow. the next thing he said scared me to death, Aaron. He goes, hey, you feel called to preach. I believe that uh, you're up in six weeks because <laughs> uh, the <laughs> church that I grew up in, it was a small kind of, you know, rural church uh, that Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. Uh, so, you know, it was a Sunday night. There's about 30 people out there. I think 23 of them were my friends and family. <laughs> and I stumbled through Psalm 23. It took me yes. about 12 minutes. I think I said, amen, 82 times, not even with the exclamation point, but with the question mark, looking for affirmation, you know, Uh, it was terrible. Listen, it was terrible, but I had a leader who saw the calling of God in my life, who invested in me, was patient with me and gave me opportunities to exercise the calling of God in my life and was patient with me and let me stumble and let me mess up and yeah. let me be a part of a messy process. And so I'm so thankful for a leader in my life who called out the called yeah. and then discipled me and gave me an opportunity to exercise that calling in my life. And yeah. so that was, was really my personal story was the inspiration behind the book to go, hey, as current leaders." We all got to get back to doing that yeah. and re- and plead with the Lord to raise up a whole new generation of ministry leaders and missionaries. Yeah.
0: Good word. Good word. So one thing I appreciated about the book is there's a lot of practical points, but you also give some biblical examples of people being called out. Do you have a, a favorite biblical story? And, and how does that apply to us when this podcast airs? It'll be the beginning of 2023. So how does that biblical story and your love for it, how does that apply to Christian leaders and parents and pastors and missionaries in 2023 as we, we, play, we put the call out there for people to respond?
1: Yeah, I think one of the my favorite things for us, for lack of a better term, to tackle in the book is really kind of the difference between the calling on everyone versus the calling on some. And here's what I mean by that, because probably one of the number one questions I get in this topic, it goes, Aaron, you know, and I'm sure you've heard it too, especially in the the race that you're running is, hey, aren't we all called to ministry? Aren't we all called to be missionaries, you know? And so if you look back, you know, in, in church history, say, you know, 30, 40 years ago, I believe that the local church was really good at uh, what we would call a unique calling on some to ministry leadership. But mm-hmm. it gave this idea, I think sometimes in church to go, oh, well, only the all-star Christians do ministry, right? Uh yeah. only the all-star Christians live on on mission. Uh only the staff is supposed to do that. So we sit back and watch the staff do everything. And then the moment they do something we don't like, we'll just write them an email in <laughs> Jesus' name. You know what I mean? And so, and so then I think, you know, about 20 to 25 years ago, the pendulum shifted but it almost shifted all the way over. It kind of overcorrected itself in a little, you know, in, in ways to where 20, 25 years ago, that's when we started throwing around the terms like missional living. And we were like, no, no, no. Hey, listen, every member a missionary, every member a minister. And I knew what we were really saying, which I think is helpful of like in the Bible, you'll see what we call, Scott and I call a universal calling on all believers, meaning Mm. that if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God, then you are called to know Jesus and make Jesus known. It's not just the pastor's job. It's not just the full-time missionary's job. It's all of our job, you know, for the Great Commission. It's all of our job to do Acts 1-8. Um, but I think we almost overcorrected so much that we got away from the unique calling on some in the Bible, you know. And I really think you see that in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, where it says, and God gave some to be pastors, leaders, you know, prophets, evangelists, you know, so on, so on. Um, and you know, we can talk about what each of those mean, but really if you just kind of lump it together, it goes, and God called some to be leaders. Who are to do Ephesians 412 to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So the saints for the work of ministry is the universal calling on all believers. All saints are called to do the work of ministry, but there is a unique calling on some to equip the saints for the work of ministry, meaning, and and the way I say it is to give your life away to this, you know. Like, hey, praise the Lord for you know the doctor who has a practice and lives on mission. But we have to acknowledge that there's a different calling on that doing yeah. that versus the person who uproots their family yeah. and moves to Iran. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, it's the same thing. There's a different calling on someone who goes. You know what? I'm gonna I'm a stay-at-home mom and I'm gonna live on mission and I'm gonna reach my neighbors and my friends. Praise the Lord. Yes, but there's a different calling on her versus the lead pastor of the church. And here's what we're saying. We're not saying that there's an A team and B team. We're not saying there's varsity and junior varsity. We're saying all equally important. It's just differing roles. Like there's a differing role Uh, you think in the church of Ephesus on Timothy's life versus the rest of the people in the church of Ephesus. So that's what we call it, a universal calling on all believers to know Jesus and make Jesus known, to serve, to be the church. But there's a unique calling on some that you see in the Bible. You see it you know, in Jeremiah's life and Deborah's life and Phoebe's life and Paul's life and Timothy's life and so on. I think we got to get back to that because I think as a large scale, as the church, we've gotten away from calling out those whom God has uniquely called to ministry leadership. We got to get back to that.
0: Good word. Good word. So, you know, we live in a a day and age where some people are kind of skeptical of pastors and missionaries and people that are in full-time ministry. What are some, maybe some misguided reasons that you've, you talk in the book about that or write about it. um, Some maybe some misguided reasons. And then, how can we avoid those, or how can we guide people um, when they're considering the call and feel called to make sure that they're they're not following the misguided motives? Does that question make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Gosh, and. There's so many layers to that onion, you know. uh, You know, kind of in that same vein, people ask, "Well, hey, why aren't there more young people surrendering to a calling and ministry on their life?" And I really believe that God hasn't stopped calling people. I think we've Mm. stopped asking people to consider if they're called, or um, in our efforts to be authentic or to be honest or raw, sometimes I think we talk so negatively about the church or the Bride of Christ or even how difficult missions is that young people hear that and go, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> so I think a couple of things is first and foremost is like, we got to start talking well about the Bride of Christ. Yes, be honest. Be honest about our failures. Be honest about our mishaps be honest about our fallings, but let's talk well about the bride of Christ. You know, I think sometimes like if, if people talked about my wife Casey, the way that we talk about the church sometimes, man, I would, I, yeah, <laughs> you know, like For that sure. would be problematic, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so I think we need to be careful how we talk about the bride of Christ, and especially in front of young influence, you know, young impressionable people who are listening to us. I think some other things too, um, That, you know, I think social media has helped create some issues to where I think when young people are looking at ministry leadership, they're only thinking of platforms. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that we address in the book is that ministry calling is a calling to service, not a calling to stardom, wow. you know? And I think That's a cool. lot of times we're trying to figure out, hey, how do we get to the stage? Or how do I get the little blue check next to my name on social media? How do I big, out, big up this big following? And instead of building up the kingdom, I think sometimes we go in trying to figure out how to build up our brand. And we wow. gotta always remember a kingdom over brand. Um, and so those are some things that I think it's just part of a discipleship process, though. I think we disciple quick. So whenever someone goes, you know, what? I think God's calling me to ministry leadership. or I think God's calling me to the mission field. The first thing we do, we address it in the book. The first thing we do is to help them walk deeply with Jesus. And, you know, and so I've heard people make comments about the book in this way. And it's, and uh, Scott and I take it as a compliment. They go, hey, you know, your book, it it almost seems like a spiritual disciplines book. And we're like, yes and amen. Because I think that's <laughs> the first thing we do is when young people feel like calling the ministry leadership on their life, or missions, or maybe a 60-year-old has surrendered to that calling, you know? That's good. And to go, hey, the first thing you do is learn to walk deeply in Jesus. Because I really believe this, healthy leaders are more apt to lead healthy ministry. Oh, I agree. And I think the reasons we see so much moral failure today or so much burnout— or even Christian leaders who are just flat out even rejecting the faith and walking away, is I think you know our default early on was, hey, if you feel called to ministry or if you feel called to the mission field, some of our first defaults would go, okay, well, let's help you figure out what your giftings are. Let's help mm-hmm. you figure out what your talents are. And then we're gonna expand your leadership capacity and we're gonna help you hone your craft. You know, I'd hear that language all the time. We're gonna help you hone your craft. And I think what we did is unintentionally, is we helped people be really gifted and talented, but then we didn't help build their character and integrity. So then people had this gifts and talents that their character couldn't sustain. And then some people got on platforms that their integrity wasn't ready for. So I think the first thing we do is help people walk deeply with Jesus. That was some of the greatest advice I got as a 25-year-old, newly in ministry, newly married, is he said, hey, Shane, you focus on the depth of your ministry and let the Hmm. Lord focus on the width and platform of it meaning just lead from the overflow of your own
0: walk with Jesus you know that's good word good word I just want to pause for 30 seconds in the middle of this episode to share some exciting news about the book I published, A Caring Life How Each of Us Can Change the Trajectory of an Uncaring World. It's available now on Amazon and audiobook, Kindle, and print form. And the book helps us recognize that our world is moving in a direction of an uncaring life and helps us reorient towards a caring life where those that are in our life feel valued. They feel known. They know that they belong and they matter. The book, as I said, is is a valuable resource and I believe will help change the trajectory of an uncaring world. It's available now on Amazon. You mentioned the Holy Spirit and his role when it comes to um, calling. In the book, you talk about counselor, companion, comforter. Would you just maybe unpack a few of those for us and the importance of that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so, you know, I serve with the Baptist denomination, you know, and so sometimes we say, unfortunately, like the Holy Spirit is like the forgotten God in the Baptist <laughs> denomination. You know, we're like, the Holy Spirit is real. He does exist. You need him. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, you can't do any aspect of ministry without him. You know, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill who said, uh, Uh, building a crowd is easy. Uh, Building the kingdom is impossible without the Holy Spirit, you know? And so we can build crowds. Yeah, you can't build the kingdom without the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, He is the power for everything. He is the fuel for everything. Nothing is going to happen without His yes and amen. And so I think it's just a great reminder of the promise of Acts 1-8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses, and the model is here near and far, or or to go as you're going. You know, as they would expand out sure. from Jerusalem, and then the fulfillment of the promise in Acts too. So we know uh, he's a companion. Uh, The great promise of God is with us, you know, at the time of this recording, Christmas is around the corner, you know, I know this will launch and after the first part of the year. So we're just coming off of Christmas, um, when people hear our conversation, but that great promise that we'll talk about every year during Christmas of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. It's a great promise every day as a believer. God with us now in the form of the Holy Spirit. God with us. He's our companion. So you're not running alone. I think a lot of times people go, man, as a missionary, I feel so alone. Or in ministry, I feel so alone. He is your companion. You are not alone. He is with you. um, And He is actually operating, working through you. Um, He's your comforter. Uh, He's your counselor. Thank God for that. I'm a big fan of counseling. (laughs) Yeah, And He's the biggest counselor and best counselor there is to know that hey, we're real, we're real people. Um, even if you've been called to ministry leadership, even if you've been called to the mission field, you've been faithful, you've been obedient, praise the Lord for that. But we're real people with real struggles, and we know that we're in a war, um, hmm. when we're not fighting against flesh and blood. So, I would in ministry leadership and missions, you have to rely on the Holy Spirit for everything, yes. you know, and yeah. to know that He's with you, He's your counselor. Um, he's in, interceding on your behalf. He's the power and he's actually doing the work through you. Um, I love Second Corinthians 5.20. Um, you know, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore people on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. I used to, Aaron, forever, I would talk about being ambassadors for Christ in that verse. And then I talk about how we're pleading with people to be reconciled to God. But I would always leave out that middle part which I think that middle part is the crux of all that, what it means to be an ambassador for Christ and what it means to plead with people to be reconciled with Christ is you got that hope in the middle, God making his appeal through you. So really the Lord's doing the work, the Lord's proclaiming the message, the Lord's living on mission, the Lord's doing everything in ministry through you depend on him and through that power of the Holy spirit. Yeah.
0: Good, good, good. Um, and you talk about you little, talked about a little bit the idea of sometimes we think of uh, Christian leadership or being a pastor as being on a platform, but rather it's we're yeah. called the servant leadership. Um, so that servant leadership, how does that come out of the outflow of being a servant? You 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 focused a little bit on that in the book.
1: Yeah, you know Ephesians two, obviously the model of Christ. Um, you know, you think of. Yeah, you know, there may be, when you you surrender to a call on ministry, leadership, or missions, um, there may be this outlook that you have for the rest of your life, being faithful, and you're faithful for a long time, and no one knows your name. Meaning, like, no one's going to write an article about you. Uh, You may never get invited to speak at a conference. Uh, You may never publish a book. And to go, that's okay. Um, A friend of mine says, it's a snare to compare. So Hmm. don't compare what everyone else is doing. Just to note that God's called you to be faithful. It's a calling to service. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And what we want to hear is, well done, good and faithful, servant, servant. Yeah, he doesn't say well done good and faithful pastor or, well done good and faithful leader he doesn't even say well done good and faithful missionary <laughs> he yeah. doesn't say well done good and faithful social media influencer or Christian celebrity which that whole Christian celebrity mindset that's an oxymoron anyway that's just yeah. such a weird concept you know he's going to say well done good and faithful servant and yeah. so if those are the words that we desire to hear one day then primarily see yourself as a servant now, the Lord may have a different trajectory. You know, I tell people that all the time. You may be on the biggest stages. You may be in a position where one day a lot of people do know your name. You may have a large following on social media. You may publish a lot of books with a major publisher. But guess what? This still, the primary calling in your life is to that of a servant and a servanthood. And at the end of the day, it's not about your brand. It's about the kingdom. Um, And so whether... No one knows your name or a lot of people know your name. Your primary calling is to that, to be a servant. And that's the model that Jesus set for us. And you see that in a, you know, in Philippians 2. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's good. And you talk in the book, too, about some characteristics of a servant. You talk about the hands and feet and shoulders. Could you just share maybe a, a few of those? I, I thought that was very insightful. i be very
1: honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when you look at how really... I love you know even in Colossians you know two uh, or Colossians one sixteen go that way Colossians what sixteen I love it you know how you know basically the purpose of our existence is we exist for Him all things were created through Him and for Him so I really broke it broke it down of like if you think of how you were literally created it was all about the glory of King Jesus you know yeah. like your mind was created to think about the greatness of Jesus, you know, and so use your mind to serve Jesus and serve others. Your eyes were created to see, you know, the glory of King Jesus. So use your eyes to see the glory of Jesus and use your eyes to see how to serve others. Uh, You know, you sh- same thing with your shoulders your hands, your heart, your knees, your feet, just to see it, everything, you know, your feet were created to walk with Jesus. So walk in serving Him, walk in serving others. Your knees were created to bow before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus. So go to Him in prayer, you know, like plead, Lord, I need you. Um, You know, I think I wrote this in there as well in that section is that, you know, when we're not praying, we're declaring our independence from God. Mm -hmm. You know, we would never say that, but that's what a posture is. And so praying is going, God, I desperately need you. God, I'm on my knees before you. So God, work through me, but also use those knees to bow and wash the feet of others to serve, you know, Uh, use your hands you know to serve jesus use your hands to serve others to feed the hungry uh to clothe the naked and and uh, our shoulders yeah our shoulders you know take you know lift off that weight your your shoulders weren't created to carry the weight of the world uh, mm-hmm. on your own or even the weight of the kingdom but the shoulders of jesus can handle that so often take just the weight off your shoulders place it on his shoulders Um, so that sometimes we can bear one another's burdens, you know, Colossians tells us that to bear one another's burdens. And so I I just wrote, you know, just when you look at the body and go everything, I just believe in the sovereignty of God that everything's intentional. And I, I think it's a good reminder, even when we look at our body to go, it's all for Jesus and for loving our neighbors, serving others. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Uh, it's you know I've, I read a lot of books. Obviously, hosting a podcast—that's one thing I get yeah. to do. I read a lot, and it's uh, it's one of the first books I've ever read that that highlighted those things. And as you said, they're very practical. Mm-hmm. And it, I see my hands every day. I see my, you know, I see, I see a lot. Of my mm-hmm. shoulders, every, you see those body parts, and it did. It does since I've read the read the book. It's those brought back to mind that God has called hey, me to be a spiritual a spiritual servant, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, so. Moving kind of changing just a little focus, you talk also about um, the idea of preparing your family um, for, yeah. for spiritual service. And uh, that's, that, that's a challenge. Can you can you maybe just uh, share a little bit about that for us?
1: Yeah, you know, even our family, um, you know, married six kids. <laughs> so, you know, we, we roll, you know, we roll pretty deep. It's funny in the States, Um, you know, that's considered a big family. Um, but you know, when I'm in Africa, they're like, oh, you're still a small family. You know? And so like, I know that can be, you know, there's some contextualization there, you know? Um, but yeah, the, the way we approach it is even, you know, my wife, I, I love, you know, she got saved at 15, called to ministry at 17. So the Lord called her uniquely to ministry leadership before we ever even met. And so, you know, I think one of the things we want to do is even in a family dynamic is to honor and value the calling on our spouses as well Mm -hmm. to go, hey, her for—and I know every family dynamic's different. Every marriage is different. Every ministry marriage is different. But for her, her calling to ministry wasn't just because she married me. the Lord had called her, she was being obedient to a call, and then he brought us together. And so we look at our family to go, hey, this isn't daddy's calling or even mommy's calling. Like our whole family is called to this. So we want to serve together. And so, you know, there's obviously, I travel and speak a ton and um, travel and do a lot of coaching. So there's obviously aspects. Where daddy's out doing things and sure. the ministry is taking place here at home and in our neighborhood and serving. But we don't want it to seem like it's just that. That's what dad does, that we're yeah. all called to this as a family. And mm-hmm. then, you know, if the Lord sees fit for our, our kids to be uniquely called to ministry leadership, I pray that they would be obedient to that. But we're really operating as a family unit to go, hey, we're called to this, we're going to serve. And uh, we want our kids to understand that. So here's what, like, my wife goes with me when she can. I try to take my kids with me a lot. So if I'm preaching at a student camp or a conference, um, especially my older two, my 16 and 11, uh, I take them with me and I let them see that. And I let them pray, God, and, you know, they'll pray for me. They'll pray over me. Those are some of my favorite moments when my daughters are laying hands praying over me as I go and preach. Um, my 11 year old loves it. Now my 16 year old, she gets a little older, you know, she thinks she's too cool sometimes to go (laughs) hang out with dad somewhere,
0: you know? So
1: yeah, she wants to go hang out with her own youth group and her own student ministry, which is great, you know? So yeah, I think is that is, is that we want to see the calling as a family calling. And then secondly to go, Hey, we're just normal people. So, you know what, let's do normal things. And I think that's one of the things I just want to remind ministry leaders, Um, and missionaries is to go, hey, it's okay to also be a normal person. Yeah, Yeah. God's called you to something really cool and something really unique, but it's okay to be a a normal person. I do a lot of coaching for next gen leaders and the first session of every new semester with a new group of uh, next gen leaders that we coach, the first one of the first things I tell them is like, Hey, in in case someone else hasn't, I want to give you permission to go on vacations, Mm -hmm. to have a hobby. to rest, to do nothing, to have fun, to laugh. And so I think as a family, we just want to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, ministry itself is hard. You know, it's a war. It is, but it's okay to have fun. And we just want to enjoy what we're doing. Hey, I always tell people this, like, if you think, if you see ministry or missions uh, as easy, then it's probably because you're taking it easy it's not easy. It's not easy at all, right? If, you're, if, it's easy, if you go, oh, this is easy, you're probably missing something somewhere, right? Um, but it also shouldn't be miserable. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think the calling to ministry leadership is a calling to misery. You know, like there's still joy there. Even Paul, I mean, my gosh, when he wrote Philippians, was under arrest and he's still talking about this joy and to rejoice in the Lord always. And so as a family, part of that ministry calling is, you know, I know it sounds surface level, but we go, man, we want to enjoy this. Yes, we want to stand before the Lord one day, like Bob Goff says, and be exhausted for the glory of God. But we
0: also want to go, you know what? We really enjoyed that journey. Yeah, that's good. Any any wisdom or advice, maybe one spouse has a call into, is feeling a call into ministry and maybe the other spouse just doesn't, not necessarily feeling the call now, uh, maybe struggling with that. Any wisdom and advice how they can navigate that. Um, I know that's one thing um, with people coming, working overseas. If yeah. both people aren't called, it can be, going home sounds a lot easier. You know what I mean? And because um, yeah. as you said, it's, it is it is. It is a challenge, and um, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and uh, he doesn't yep. play fair. You know what I mean? And that's so right. he, he knows. Right. So, any wisdom and advice, maybe somebody that's, hey, I'm feeling a call, and at the same time, their spouse doesn't know, and how do they navigate that?
1: Yeah, Aaron, this is such a great question. Such a helpful question. Um, you see, honestly, I'm sure you do as well. I, I honestly see that a lot, you know, uh, maybe. a a young man who feels called to ministry leadership to, you know, uh, to a pastoral role or to the mission field. And maybe his young bride doesn't feel that calling too, you know, or vice versa, you know, where, um, you know, a a woman, she's passionate, like, I really feel God calling me to Europe. And her husband's like, no, I really love American (laughs) football. (laughs) I like American football, not that football, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so he, I would say, Pray and wait, seek the Lord, pray and wait. My advice, and I'm not saying this is right, but this is the advice I give, is I really believe so much in the family unit and marriages that like, don't move forward if you're not equally yoked on this. Meaning, like, and I know often we use equally yoked to go, "Hey, don't marry an unbeliever or date an unbeliever, all that." But I'm saying, even in this ministry calling, I think there needs to be a an equal yoking there because, listen, if you and your wife are not on the same page, or you and your husband aren't on the same page, like we said a while ago, this is not easy. This is war. And the enemy will use that as a wedge. And listen, friends, if your marriage is not healthy, you're going to have a hard time leading healthy ministries um, because the enemy will find a foothold in that and rip it wide open. Um, and listen, if you lose your family, you lose your ministry anyway. So I would say, do not move forward until you're both on the same page. So you're both, you know, uh, obeying that call. To you both are sure of that call. Um, so I would say, pray, seek the Lord, and don't move forward until you're both unified on that.
0: And then the other thing, I'm I'm throwing another question in here for us. But um, you work with Next Gen. So maybe mm-hmm. mom and dad, they're feeling they're feeling they're feeling called, they're unified in that call. But you've talked about your whole family being involved in ministry. And maybe they're, I don't know, 12, 13, 14-year-old boy or girl, whatever it is, yeah. they're thinking, hey, I, that's not really what I signed up for or what yeah. any wisdom and advice how parents can walk um with with their 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 kids in that and um so it d- doesn't become a divisive thing in the family it doesn't come something yeah, that actually right. rips them apart but actually pulls them together and and i've heard certain parents say well we don't be kid centric so they're just going to have to follow us and do what we say <laughs> yeah so it's it's a balance so any you're unique to answer this question cuz this is you have a passion for that marriage
1: sure. yeah 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 i think
0: I love this question too, Aaron.
1: And and I think this is a little bit different, right? When when you're a husband and wife, yeah, we know the model set forth in Ephesians, you know, of, you know, leading, you know, like Christ loved the church and and so But there's also that verse that a lot of guys don't like to, especially men don't like to, as <laughs> like submitting to one another as yeah. unto the Lord, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm saying like, if your husband and wife aren't on the same page, then you don't move forward. If the husband and wife are unified and the kids, Aren't figuring it out? I think that's different. That's okay. a discipleship opportunity. I think. Hey, yeah, and and I don't want to say. You want to be hard nosed to go, whoa, hey, we're the parents. We're mom and dad. We said so. You <laughs> remember, like, we just. I even tell parents, like, even in everyday life, that just doesn't work as well anymore to sure. go, hey, it's a discipleship opportunity. Sure. I mean, I, I jump. My dad's still alive. I just, he used to, say, I'm the dad. I said so. You know what I mean? So maybe sometimes just in the moment when you want them to stop whining, you can right. say, you know, but, but I think to really be like, okay, hey, we want to care for their little souls because here, here's the thing is none of us, right? And and please, and I want to put this as a caveat. You can do everything right and your kids still rebel. We know that. We've yeah. seen that all throughout history. Yeah. We know that. But also, you don't want to intentionally do things um, that are uncaring towards your kids, meaning like, hey, listen to what they're saying, value what they're saying, really hear them out and to go, hey, how can you help journey with them? How do you help disciple them in that? Because we don't want to like go, oh man, you know what? We reached a lot of people in the mission field, but all of our kids grew up and they can't stand the Lord or the church. Uh, I think we would all feel um, like, uh, in in a sense of failing there that yeah. I don't think any of us have that desire. Um, but also I want to say this, especially with teenagers, uh, sometimes teenagers don't know what they like from moment to moment. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, like, so there's times, I mean, think about this. I even think of this, of, of my kids of like, how often did they not want to do something? Mom and dad led and then they go, oh, that was incredible. You know, or like, yeah. oh, we were right. So I would say, hey, be mom and dad in that situation. Yeah, listen to your kids protect their little hearts, their little souls, pour into them, love them, truly listen to them. But if God has called you, you got to move forward and help your kids move in that direction too, Um, because you are the spiritual leaders. Your 13-year-old is not the spiritual leader. You're the spiritual leader, but still value them um, and serve them. But you still have to move forward and help disciple them. Because here's the deal, is that 13-year-old is going to change their mind 15 times and two days, you know what I mean? And so I think we have to remind ourselves of that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love how you just said it's a discipleship opportunity. And um, yeah. that's that is a that's a, that's a a take-home point on that. Shane, I threw some questions in um, that I didn't put sent to you ahead of time. You didn't oh, to okay. answer them. You, uh, yeah. you rode with it. And uh, it was a great conversation. Will you pray for us today that God will use uh, the wisdom and insight Insight that you have shared with us um, for his uh, for his glory, and uh, we'll put this into action. And for the ministry leaders that are listening into this podcast, that we will, you know, my main reason for doing this two part, you know, Scott, now with you, Shane, is I wanted people to say, hey, we, I want us to be intentional about it, and you've challenged us to be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. And um, for the ministry leaders, and let's let's take that challenge and start being intentional about sharing the call. Will you pray for us today? Absolutely,
1: thank you, Aaron. Father, we, first of all, we just thank you that we get to call you Father. May we never get over the the fact that we get to call the creator of everything Father. Um, Lord, no matter how long we've been following you or no matter how long those who are listening to this conversation have been following you, I thank you that you constantly remind us that we don't mature past the gospel, we mature in the gospel. So God, I thank you for the men and women who have joined us in this conversation, God, I thank you that first of all, they said yes to you for salvation. And then secondly, they said yes to you to make you known to the ends of the earth. And God, I pray every day, Lord, that you would comfort them through your spirit, that you would comfort them. You would counsel them. You would remind them that you are their companion. You are with them. And Lord, I pray that you would protect us from the attacks of the enemy. And God, I thank you for the calling you've placed on our life. Lord, we recognize you don't need us. You don't need any of us. You're a God. You could do this without us. But in your sovereign will, you chose to make us a part of your mission, that it truly is the great co-mission. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to multiply ourselves and, and duplicate ourselves and others, Lord, that we know that you are constantly calling Uh, a whole generation of ministry leaders. You're calling a whole generation of missionaries. So Lord, as you're calling them, would we be faithful to call out the called, to ask people to consider if you're calling them the ministry leadership and the missions? And Lord, when they say yes to that, would we be faithful to disciple them for your name, your fame, your glory? We pray this in the name above every name, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen.